Proverbs is chock full of financial wisdom from above. For example, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure for all generations? You might not have any flocks or herds, but you probably possess stocks, bonds, real estate, and monthly cash flow that all require careful management. The old adage is true, pay attention to the pennies and the dollars take care of themselves. Even Ben Franklin said, a penny saved is a penny earned. If you are penny wise and pound foolish, you need a budget, a spending plan that tells you where your money should go before you wonder where it went. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus Christ. So if he has something to say about money management, it's a good idea to listen. Hello, and thanks for stopping by for today's edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian Davis, always glad to have you with us. You may not know it, but Ron's undergraduate degree is in financial planning. Today, he uses that knowledge, plus some wisdom from the book of Proverbs, to share what he calls the 10-10-80 financial plan. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org or you can subscribe to the podcast at Spotify over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, Wise Sayings, Guidance for Everyday Life. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Financially Wise, and otherwise. You ever worry about money? Having enough money to do this, that, or the other thing? But Jesus said the antidote to worry is put God first in your life. Just seek Him first and His rights, and then He'll take care of the rest. He really does. Now I say give to God first, and uh, that's the first 10%. Why 10%? Well, that refers to uh, the tithe principle in the Scripture. And in the Old Testament, a tithe was an apportionment, which meant a tenth. And and back in the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, there were several tithing laws that were given to the people of Israel. I look at it as when God wanted to teach his people to give generously, (laughs) he gave them the tithing laws. And the Old Testament Israelites lived under those laws for, for many, many years. But 400 years before it ever became a law under the Mosaic law, it was a lifestyle practiced by none other than Abraham and Jacob. Read the story of Abraham and Jacob. As a way of honoring God, they gave a tithe of their income, a tenth of their income to the Lord as a way of honoring him, as a way of acknowledging to him that he's the owner of everything. And I'm just a a manager managing a sacred trust that you've given to me. Uh, Tithing is a principle throughout the Scripture. It's the minimum expression of generosity found anywhere in the Bible. Anybody who's considered generous in the Bible started with 10%. It's a starting point in our giving. It's been a starting point in our giving in the Jones family, and we want to, you know, and have many times gone beyond that. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, the Lord says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. 
says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You have a hard time trusting God with your finances? Okay. He says, put me to the test. It's the only time in the Bible where the Lord gives us the permission to test him. And I'm glad he does because it's hard sometimes to to trust the Lord with our finances, to get that paycheck. And the first check that you cut is to the Lord. That's a step of faith right there. It doesn't take any faith to wait until the end of the month and see if you got something left over to drop into the offering plate. That doesn't take any faith. It takes faith to give to God first. And that's what God wants to do is to stretch our faith. And if he can do it through something tangible and practical like our finances, well, that's a, that's a win-win for him. So we give to God first. I've said to people for more than two decades in ministry, take the 90-day giving challenge if you have a hard time trusting the Lord in this area. Tithe for 90 days. And if a financial disaster befalls you, call our business office and we'll send you your money back. I confidently make that that guarantee. Why? Because the Lord says, put me to the test and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again in our family and in so many other families. So this 10-10-80 financial plan, yeah, the first one's a little, little bit of a stretch for some of us. Give to God first and give him that tithe. Secondly, pay yourself. You give to God first with the first 10%, then with the second 10%, you pay yourself. That's called savings and investments. You have to plan for the future. In fact, you need two portfolios in your life. You need an eternal portfolio. That's giving to God. That's, that's what Jesus said when he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I take that to mean there's a heavenly 401k account that opened up when you became a believer in Jesus Christ. The question is, are you putting anything into it? Will anything be in that account when you arrive in heaven? Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's your heavenly, your, your heavenly portfolio, your eternal portfolio. The other portfolio you need is an earthly portfolio. This is savings and investments. This is just wise financial planning now, this is a choice you make not to live paycheck to paycheck and to, and to even go beyond that and to spend more than you have, but to live within your means and to understand that you, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to plan for the future. Proverbs 21 and verse 20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. To put it in our vernacular, in the house of the wise are savings accounts and investment accounts and retirement accounts and college savings funds, but a foolish man lives paycheck to paycheck and never puts anything aside for the future. Again, 76% of Americans, less than $1,000 in the bank. That's a scary place to be. I say to young people, start this when you're young. When you get your first job, and even your first job out of college, start. Because the way to build wealth the Bible way is not through a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not by buying a lottery ticket. Come on, that's gambling. That's not trusting a sovereign God to lead you. That's putting your trust in chance. And we don't do that as Christians. The way to build wealth the Bible way is little by little over a long period of time, getting compound interest in time to work in your favor, making wise financial investments according to God's financial principles. You do that and you start early in life, you're not going to have any problems. 
Yeah, there may be some financial setbacks here and there, but if you haven't done this, you might need to accelerate some of this plan. Do some catch-up, all right? But start by giving to God first. You might have to pay yourself a little bit more and get your living expenses down here because payday's coming, all right? There's, there's coming a time when you won't be able to work as vigorously as you are now, and, and you're going to need that nest egg, not to retire, but to refire for the next thing that God has for you in life, right? So in the house of wise, of the wise are stores of choice food. If you're not inspired by that, just, just consider the ant. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6, go to the ant, oh sluggard, you lazy sluggard. Consider her ways, just a little bitty ant. It says, be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Even the ant, the little bitty ant, plans ahead. And, and, and stores up for the, for the coming winter. Joseph did this in the Old Testament. Remember Joseph, when he rose through the ranks of you know, Potiphar's prison and all that, and became second in command in Egypt, and God shared with him a vision of seven years of famine coming. So what did Joseph do? He was wise enough to store up grain for the next seven years so that when the hard times came, uh, Egypt could feed the world. A pretty wise thing for Joseph to do. Still ahead, the second half of today's Something Good radio message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And if it's been a while since you stopped by our website, somethinggoodradio.org, Give it a look today. We've released a new streaming platform for Something Good Radio and Something Good Television. You'll also find our digital library where you can search for biblical answers to some of your most challenging questions. Watch, listen, and download for free. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Some of life's greatest adventures take place on a road trip. Nothing is more enjoyable than traveling the open highway with the windows rolled down and the music turned up. Each town, each exit, an experience all its own. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio, and today I'm inviting you to take a road trip with me. You see, I'm convinced that reading the Bible is the greatest literary adventure you can ever take. But with 66 books, two testaments, and more than 600,000 words, it can be a daunting journey to attempt. That's why I wrote my two-volume book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible where I give you a bird's eye view of God's Word so you can clearly see how it all fits together. All 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So pack your bags and join me on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. You'll be glad you did. Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1 and 2 can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. 
Pastor Ron, not only did you break this project up into two volumes, but you created what you call eight different road trips, five in the Old Testament and three in the New. Help our listeners understand the motivation behind that literary structure. You know, Brian, categorizing the various books of the Bible into eight separate groups is nothing new. Uh, They include the books of the law, the Old Testament historical books, uh, the wisdom books, the major prophets, the minor prophets. Then we're into the Gospels and the early church, the Pauline epistles, and we finish up with the general epistles and Revelation. But when I first decided to compare the reading of God's Word to a travel adventure, well, it took me almost no time to come up with the phrase road trip to identify these eight sections of Scripture. Uh, What I believe the reader will begin to see a little more clearly is that the books of the law, for example, point to the person and work of Jesus Christ as much as the Gospels do. Uh, That's because the Bible is one story with one main character. His name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. Uh, My hope is that by experiencing the 66 books of the Bible as eight separate road trips, uh, this overarching theme will be easier to recognize and understand. Such a great idea, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. You can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. And now let's get you back to the rest of today's message, Financially Wise and Otherwise. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. I want to suggest you need three kinds of savings buckets. First, you need an emergency savings. Uh, Why? Because life happens. The car breaks down, the uh, washer and dryer breaks down, or there's an unforeseen medical expense. And given the affordable care program we're under today, which is not all that affordable, I mean, probably you or your employer are paying up to $15,000, maybe $20,000 a year just for the premium. And then you got a three, four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 deductible on top of that. You're spending twenty dollars to $25,000 before the plan pays a single penny. And you have one little minor surgery that takes you into the OR, and you're going to get a three, dollars $4,000 bill. You got to have emergency savings because life happens. You also need retirement savings. Now, retirement is not necessarily a, a, a biblical concept. Uh, God has a plan for us from the cradle to the grave. But there is that time in life when you might not be able to generate as much income as you are right now, and you need to plan for that, that, that time to sustain yourself financially. That's savings and investments. And if you didn't start early, you need to start today and accelerate that because that, that day is coming. And, and then college savings is another one. We have two kids, you know, in college, or one that's finishing high school this year, another one that's a freshman. Oh, my. <laughs> the college bills are upon us. Well, we started when they were, um, boy, I don't know, three hours old, opening up that 529 plan and putting as much as we could in over the years, little by little, over a long period of time. We got partway there, but, you know, we, we still have to figure out a way to, to finish out those college years got a plan for that. So you give to God first, you pay yourself second, and then you live off the rest. 
That means adjusting your standard of living. One of the best decisions Catherine and I ever made financially, and we haven't always done it right, but was the first house that we bought. At that time, we were newly married, and we were dinks. Double income, no kids. That's, the, that's a great place to be, all right? Great place to be. We both had a professional income. I was pastoring my first church. She was in the corporate world. And, and we had a lot of disposable income, and we wanted to buy our first house. And I remember the mortgage company saying, wow, you, look at all this buying power you had. But we also anticipated the day, Lord willing, when he would give us some children. And Catherine had a desire to be a stay-at-home mom. And so we resisted the urge to buy this, and we bought a house qualifying with my income, maybe a little bit of hers, okay? And that's how we've bought our house every time, always you know, below our means. It's, it's a wonderful way to live, okay? Um, but, but you have to consciously make that decision, and you have to come together as a husband and a wife and get on the same financial page. I know that's not easy for everybody. My prayer for you is that you would be financial soulmates, not financial inmates, fighting with each other, experiencing stress and a lack of peace in your home around that issue. Do whatever you take. If you're an engaged couple or you're looking forward to getting married one day, make sure that you have that financial discussion with that potential mate because money is the number one cause of divorce in our culture today. It's financial stress. It's financial stress. Everybody needs a long-term and a short-term financial plan. A short-term financial plan is called, yeah, I'll just say the word, budget. And everyone goes, oh, it's the big groan. I understand that. Think of it as a, as a wise saving plan. Okay, a budget is a wise savings plan that tells you where your money goes before you wonder where it went. Okay, do I need to say that again? A budget is a wise savings plan where you say, this is where my money's going to go before I wake up one day and say, where did it all go? Well, if you're in that place where you say, I don't know where it all went, then you need a budget. And a husband and a wife need to come together and make financial priorities and make financial decisions and, and then spend accordingly there. Simple plan. Simple, simple plan. But I know there are some decisions for you to make in the room today. Again, my heart and my prayer as a pastor is that you will experience biblical financial freedom. And you'll experience a peace. The devil will be far from your finances. It's not to say that you won't ever have a financial catastrophe or stress, times of stress or unemployment, or, but you plan for that. Just like the ant stores away, you plan for all of that. And there are some things you can't plan for. I get that. There are some of you that are in debt, not because you made a poor financial decision, but because circumstances fell upon you, maybe medically or otherwise, and, and, and you're in the position that you are. God wants to help you there. He has put a preponderance of wisdom, not only in the book of Proverbs, but all throughout the scriptures to help us to be financially wise people, to be good and faithful stewards of the sacred trust that he's given to us. Free of debt, free from the love of money, free to give generously, free to have fun. You gotta have a plan. It's a simple, simple, practical message today. No agenda here. Just passing on some stuff that we've learned through the pages of Scripture. We haven't always done it perfectly. But I tell you what, this works. This works. And my prayer is that you put it into practice today. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for giving us divine guidance in every area of our life, including our finances. Help us to be the kind of wise people who put this into practice right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for stopping by for today's Something Good radio message. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, I know you're passionate about the subject of personal finance, and I have a practical question that I think might help our listeners today. In your experience, what have been some of the objections to tithing, and what would you say in response? Well, Brian, thanks for bringing up the topic. I know a lot of people have questions today about tithing, giving 10% of our first fruits and our resources to God. Is that a New Testament thing? Does it apply to us as New Testament believers or not? Here's the bottom line for me. Uh, I believe tithing or giving 10% is, a, is the biblical starting point in our giving. It's a, it's a floor. It's not a ceiling. And really what we're talking about is walking by faith in the area of our finances. Now, I realize there are many people listening who are struggling financially. And if you're one of them, I want you to know I sympathize with you. And if you'll visit somethinggoodradio.org, you can send your prayer request to us and our ministry team will gladly pray for you. I encourage you to do that anytime for any reason because we consider it a privilege to join you in prayer. But please hear me when I say this. You may be one of those people, and I've heard it for, for more than two decades in ministry, you may be one of those people who say, I can't afford to tithe. But I promise you, friend, you can't afford not to. Not if you want God's blessing on your finances. If you do, you, you need to enter into his economic principles and apply them to your financial life. As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to learn to walk by faith, not by sight. And that's true in every area of our life, not just our finances. But the subject today is finances, and I want to encourage you this way. The money you see in your checkbook and the bills you see in your mailbox, those are not the real story. If you walk by sight, you'll leave God out of the plans and, and because there's no way all the numbers add up. I've been there before. But if you walk by faith, um, you won't care so much about the math. You don't even have to be good at math. Just look at that checkbook and look at those bills and say, I'm still going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to walk by faith in my finances. I'm going to give him 10% of my first fruits because he asked me to. And, and all of it is his money anyway. You do that, friend, against all mathematical logic, and then you'll begin to see God work in your finances and, and maybe even perform some miracles in that checkbook of yours. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. There's no area in our lives anywhere in the Bible where he says this, if you can't trust me, then test me. But he says this to us in the book of Malachi, he says, uh, put me to the test in the area of your finances. Uh, give me that first 10%, that biblical starting point, and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you that you cannot contain. That, my friend, is an exciting journey. It's a, it's a financial walk of faith uh, that God will reward. He will meet you there. He will meet you at the point of your need and even then some. 
That's Dr. Ron Jones talking to us about the benefits of following God's financial plan for our lives. Next time on Something Good, Ron continues his series, Wise Sayings, Guidance for Everyday Life. Ron, I know you'll want to say a quick word about what's in store tomorrow. Today we talked about how we should manage our money. Tomorrow we'll move into a related subject, how we earn our money. And what I mean is God has a lot to say about our work and our work ethic about the way we do our jobs and the way we treat people at our places of employment. So as we move ahead in our series, Wise Sayings, Guidance from Everyday Life, from the book of Proverbs, I want us to think about how we do what we do. Are we doing our work heartily as unto the Lord? Are we doing the best job we can or are we slacking a bit? That's where we're headed tomorrow as we continue our study of some of King Solomon's wise sayings. Get ready for some more guidance for everyday life. Join us then for Something Good when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Wisdom While You Work. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.